Hey everybody, George here again with another episode of the In Good Spirits podcast with Chris and our friend Brian. How's it going tonight, everybody? Yeah, we're we're here on a man beautiful, beautiful Rochester summer evening, and we're here to taste Japanese whiskey again, which I'm very much looking forward to. Yeah, back to Japan part two. By the way, for anyone that was wondering last week or whenever the however often we post this yeah uh the cliffhanger of what i was working on blacksmithing i grabbed it in our the the whole week it took you know we're wearing the same clothes after a whole week i, I swear we um, washed everything absolutely oh, literally look at that. just playing around with a screw flattening it and twisting it and just having fun oh very so i'm gonna cool. pretend like this is a cocktail stirrer because <laughs> You just need to, flat, need to flatten out the end, flatten out the end a little bit. Get a little bit of get your wrist action going. It's going to be great. Oh, I could even just turn it into a little tiny coke spoon if I really <laughs> wanted. <laughs> well, unfortunately, here we're talk we're here we're here to talk about downers. This is the downers podcast. Yeah, no, we're not. We 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 definitely no uppers here except for my Red Bull. Yes, that, that we can talk about a lot. Absolutely. Uh, not a sponsor, but please be a sponsor. <laughs> I spend too much on this shit. Give it to me for free, please. Yeah, I, I could go pull my can of Diet Mountain Dew, but really, my nerdery comes into the coffee side of things. We haven't talked about coffee yet on this, really, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a severe coffee nerd. So um, maybe we'll talk about coffee stuff another time. It I is, mean, it, if you have another three real, weeks for it. <laughs> real fun... Well, story real quick for everyone watching when chris and i met to talk about doing the show and because we we uh, exchanged some texts about it but we're like let's sit down grab coffee talk about it now mind you i i like coffee but i more so <laughs> like um i like the effect of coffee in the same sense that i like i like my red bull and you know i, I normally enjoy drinking like iced coffee or something like, I don't need a lot of cream or I don't need any sugar, but I just want efficiency. And we went to like the, I walked into this coffee shop and I felt so out of place because <laughs> I knew for a fact everyone in this place could absolutely be like, oh, I know 18 different varietals of coffee and where they grow. And, I, I'm, a, and I, I'm like, it's a bean. I know it's a bean. Yes. You roasted that bean. But Chris is over here like taking sips of this coffee and like, spouting out like all the wonderful things he tastes and i'm like <laughs> oh this tastes like battery acid it's, yeah this is battery acid well and i think i think that's the fun part so i'm when it comes to food and drink in general i love the analytical part of it i love trying to taste everything so whether it's whether it's wine whether it's coffee spirits food you know combined dishes i love working through it and trying to understand it at a deeper level and for me coffee is Coffee is super challenging. It has a lot of base flavors. And actually, when I first started tasting whiskey, I had to get over the taste of alcohol. I didn't have my first drink until I was uh, 30. I mean, I think I was the one who gave it to you. Yeah, actually. you gave me my first full drink of alcohol was it, at 30. Was it chartreuse? No, in this case, it was a... Uh, it was a Highland Park 12. Ooh. That's that's a nice place to start though. Yeah, so a fine baked, first baked apple a lot of baked apple and smoke on that one. Nice. Yeah. Well see, I have no recollection of it. I remember tasting it, but like I would love to actually go back to that and taste it at some point because I think we might have to then. That was my that was my first full 
drink of alcohol at 30 was Highland Park 12 and then a cocktail at one of our finest cocktail bars in town. Good luck. Was it a French 75, I think? No, I think it was ginger gin and their own house-made ginger syrup, which was like absolutely fantastic. Um, it doesn't sound like you yet. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I think like that's how I approach all the things that I taste is trying to get the most out of it, trying to really understand it. And that's like when we talk about coffee, that place we went to, Ugly Duck Coffee. But gives everybody the chance, if you don't know coffee, go to your specialty coffee shop in your town and try to taste it. But the challenging part with any of these tastings, and when we talk about whiskey, is getting past you know 80 proof or higher of alcohol taste. Getting past that so you can taste all the amazing flavors that are beyond that. And that, oh, that's, that's kind of the that's... challenge. That's where I need to get with coffee. Like, the first experience with higher end coffee was basically, oh my god, the alkalinity is killing me. It, I can't. <laughs> okay. Oh, I can taste a little bit of nuttiness, but yeah. it burns my senses. Yeah, and that's when I when I first tasted alcohol. I didn't taste all the amazing things that we're going to talk about right now um, with our first uh, with our first spirit, which is uh, which which Japanese whiskey, George. We are doing so. Today we're going to do two different uh, whiskeys from two different Suntory distilleries. Okay. This first one is their single grain whiskey, Cheetah, from the Cheetah distillery. And it is, I've only ever seen it as a bottling of its own thing in the duty-free at the Shannon Airport, and I immediately bought it. Wow. I've never seen it stateside. I've never seen it anywhere else. Wow. And it's a component in their blends like the uh, the Hibiki and the Toki. It's their grain component in their blends. Okay. So I immediately bought it with no idea of how it was going to be or anything. Well, that... I need to own this bottle. Yeah, that's super exciting. So um, just as a quick recap, um, obviously when you... Oh, wow, that's beautiful. Um, so when you hear... When you hear Suntory, um, the company now is Beam Suntory. So Jim Beam and Suntory are a combined company. But Suntory has a lot of different products from many different distilleries in Japan. So that's kind Suntory of our... Suntory has... It's one of the biggest beverage companies in the world now. I don't remember how big the check was to purchase... Because it wasn't a merger so much as it was an acquisition. Yeah. They presented billions upon billions of dollars to... Beam Global Brands, and allegedly their, uh, by allegedly, I mean, it was reported that their board meeting was 15 minutes, and I'm going to assume <laughs> that it was 30 seconds of, we're all signing this shit, right? And then 14 and a half minutes of dancing in, on the table in the boardroom, <laughs> because it was an obscene amount of money, and of course they were going to take that. Oh, yeah. Now, obviously, when we're, when we're nosing this, this is beautiful on the nose. Now, I'm getting alcohol on the first part of it, but I'm getting some bright sweetness. Mm. Now, when I say, when I'm saying getting alcohol on the nose, this isn't like rubbing alcohol where it's burning my nose. It's that rounded, bright alcohol note with, um, with some sweetness behind it as well. It's not stinging the nostrils. It's very, Definitely it's bright, like but not sweet bad. And custardy. Yeah, like, I very, like Very like light, delicate vanilla custardy on the nose, without a doubt. It's, it's relatively simple yeah. in my mind. Like there's not a ton going on with it. What are you thinking there, Brian? 
One moment, please. <laughs> Definitely a lot of vanilla. Mm. Sweet. Definitely not as much as not not as much burn as an, as say uh, an American one. Yeah. Well, I think that's true because it's. I'm getting a little bit of. Like the vanilla, I'm getting some sort of other, some sort of other rounded sweetness on the nose. But yeah, I think this is, it's relatively straightforward, but bright in a very pleasant way. It's not offensive at all. Mm. All right. I'm going for it. Pretty much, in my opinion, the same thing on the palate as the nose. Again, it's kind of, I don't want to say one dimensional. But it's very, it's very fine tuned to what they want it to be, and it's definitely that custardy, vanilla, soft, delicate, almost floral without being descriptively floral. Yeah, a little flat almost. Yeah, I think I that's would definitely fair. agree that it's a little flat. I think that's completely fair. Now, when we say flat, it's not we're not getting a ton of other aspects. So that mid, that mid palette is vanilla is that custardy now what i'm getting on the back though so i'm going to take another sip just to refresh i think i think one trick pony might actually be an apt way of describing this whiskey so the front front of the tongue is straight vanilla custard you know rice pudding but not with not the riciness but that rich that richness um not quite banana pudding, but a little bit of that whole thing going on very rich on the front palate. My first taste was very, I was almost harsh alcohol on the back of the tongue, the back of the palate. I was getting some burn. On the second taste, I'm not getting it quite as much. So I'm actually going to read real fast the tasting notes from the back of the box. Because I'm interested. I'm they say the nose is creme brulee, cardamom, acacia honey, and blossoming rose. I don't get... I can see the creme brulee again because the customer 100%. Yep, I agree with that. But I do not agree with any of the rest of it, really. I guess the rose, that little bit of floralness we talked about, but the palette, they say, is mild and smooth. Hint of mint, Ooh. deep honey. I don't get any of that mint. I don't get any of the cardamom. Okay. I get... So, we're going to take... So this is one of those occasions where, do do you have water around you, George? I do not. Okay, so this is one of those occasions. I'm going to have George step away for a second and actually grab just a touch of water for this if you still have any left in your glass. I just spit in my glass? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm not going to do that. So I did. I did a couple drops and... It rounded out a ton. So I thought it was a little bit, I thought it was a little bit flat and almost a little sharp and a little bit harsh on the alcohol um, with a, just a touch of water. Again, this is one where it is relatively, it's light, but I think could do with a little bit of just a touch of water and maybe a little, maybe a small ice cube or something like that. I would I would agree. I'm not going to go get water simply because, uh, mm. believe it, uh, I'm, it's not just an, an excuse not to put water in my whiskey. But we have relatively hard water, and the minerality of the water mm. will literally be awful in a whiskey. Completely so I'm not fair. Gonna, I'm not going to bother doing that. No, completely um, fair. 
But I think every harshness that was there with two drops of water completely went away. And it kind of left it with, it's almost even more creme brulee vanilla. That's what I'm tasting it. I don't know about you, Brian. Still a lot of vanilla. Yeah, for sure. Vanilla's are really popping right now, especially after the couple drops of water. Yeah. So even even though it's rounded out, it's still that one trick flat yeah. bunny where it's, you know. So I've got to ask if you guys get this too. Mm. Uh, it's definitely not as prominent as when I first bought the bottle. Because I've had it, I don't know, when did I go to Ireland? A few years ago now, so a few years. But it's still a little bit there, and I I taste it through everything. But do you get like a plasticiness, like a petrol-y, at the end. like astringency? Yeah, at the end for sure. It's very interesting now that you've mentioned it. Um, one of my favorite wines is a Riesling, and sometimes with something with a little more age, you'll get those petrol-y notes. And now that you mention it. I am getting that right at the back of the right at the back of the palate. It's not dominating by any means, but I see what you mean by it. So I'm very very sensitive to like the petroly note. So okay. when it comes to like a, a riesling, especially German ones that have a that end up having a lot of the petrol, yeah, it's all I taste. I can't get past it. It's dominating to me. Yeah. So I don't actually I don't like speaking ill of anything on camera ever, but I don't particularly love this whiskey mm. because largely in part because of that it's good but that i can't get past that past that uh petrol note at all and anything it's ever in though so that's it's, not necessarily to say it's yeah. a flaw or wrong i just i can't personally get past it well i think that's part of the personal preference of drinking anything though is you have to enjoy what it's offering it doesn't mean it's bad but sometimes things hit your palate a little bit differently right it's, it's like this is not as interesting to me yeah as as it as other as other whiskeys could be. No, and I think that's completely fair. And I think I'm probably enjoying it the most out of the three of us. I like the vanilla the vanilla ness, but not in a like over the top bourbony kind of way, in a light dancing over your palate kind of way. Um I'm not getting a ton else, but do I enjoy it? Yes. Is this something I'm gonna sit and luxuriate in? Absolutely not. I'd actually almost consider this as a very interesting cocktail mixer if you did it the right way. I can see that, especially since, again, this is a component from a blend. It's meant to be, in my opinion, a part of a greater whole. That's one of those things where the sum is greater than its parts, in my opinion, when it comes to this whiskey. Yeah. Because instead of bringing... Well, you know what? I won't get too much more into it because we're going to have another whiskey from Suntory but a single malt okay. from Suntory from the Hakushu Distillery. And that is another one of the component whiskeys in their blends like the Toki and the um, Hibiki. Mm. Definitely at the end, there's still that plasticky. Yeah. It lingers for a little while, too. Like so. Yeah, I can't shake it. I can't. It, it sticks. It's kind of like the, the metallic flavor I get from Diet Soda. Just okay. does not go away. Yeah, you know what? I'm not as affected by that kind of stuff, I think. Um, you know, diet soda doesn't affect me in the same way. And um, there's a local winemaker who is uh, very prominent as a uh, restaurateur and a uh, very well-respected wine person. And some of his older Rieslings are dominated by petrol notes. I really enjoy them. 
and uh, some other people I know who have tasted them just just can't get past it. Um, I personally really I enjoy the petrol notes. I really I find them very pleasant. It just it reminds me of chewing on a Super Bowl, like when you're a kid that doesn't know any better and you put it in your mouth anyway and start chewing on it. I did not ever do that because I wasn't <laughs> dumb, but I'm imagining it's like I don't know what paint smells or tastes like but i've smelled paint while painting so i can infer what it would taste like you know i mean it tastes like delicious um <laughs> I mean, yeah well i mean it lot, smells I delicious i'm Ooh. just not you know not gonna not gonna Ooh. pour it in my glass no Ooh. now oh yeah oh yeah so uh what do we have for our second so i'm gonna say what's on your label this is the uh hakushu 12 year single malt Hey, you could read my handwriting. I All can. Right, I'm Look better. at that. So yes, it is the Hakushu single malt, twelve years old, and uh, there is a bit of peat to this. I was gonna say I was smelling the medicinal those iodiny notes on the on the yes. nose, and they've imported that peat from good old fashioned grumpy golf play in Scotland. Yeah, so it's or damp as a color. Yeah, and it's not it's not dominating the nose, but it's very present. Uh, it's... So what's cool about the way I've been told Hakushu does the uh, the peating of their whiskey, so to speak, is they don't peat 100% of their barley. They do runs of peated barley on the still, runs of unpeated barley on the still, and blend to taste. So, so George they have has... more control over the the overall experience of the whiskey. Okay. So on the, on the podcast feed, George had died for a second there, but I can absolutely see that somebody had balanced this because the smell, the nose is very balanced when it comes to the peatiness. This isn't a, this isn't Laphroaig. This isn't something that's dominated by the peat. It's there, but it's not, it doesn't annihilate your nose. Right. And, I'm going to quickly, because I don't know exactly what came through and not mm. through, the joys of recording remotely in the wonderful COVID world. Yeah, of course. Uh, some is peated, some is not peated, and it's blended to taste. Yeah, and that, that completely makes sense. Um, because what I'm smelling is something that's it's conscientious. Everything about that nose is conscientious when it comes to all of the, to the malt, to the smoke, to the peat. Everything is in complete balance. I think that's a really good just word for this whiskey is balance. Absolute yeah. balance. Mm. And again, we, we, I use this note often when it comes to the, to the malted and the, you know, scotch inspired whiskeys, you know, appley notes on the high apple notes on the nose. This isn't baked apple. I'm getting high, fresh, acidic apple on the note on the nose. I get that more in the palate for sure. It's actually got like that, uh, like that, the the feeling you get, oh, the wow. reaction to the acidity of the apple, oh. the juiciness in your mouth. Yeah, I get apple like juice. You get in this some one. of that. Yeah, not cider, but apple juice. Yeah, very different. It's very different to talk about apple juice versus cider. cider too, because I mean, talk about cider versus apple juice. It's it's very different. I mean. So when you're talking about cider, you're getting a little more acidity. You're getting those rounded flavors. You're getting... This is sweeter. Definitely yeah. sweeter. Apple juice is less... It's more processed, and you're getting a little bit more of that clean, 
almost not candy, but that like not fake apple, but it's apple concentrate. Apple so, yeah, concentrate. Sort of That's yeah. a great way of saying it. Yeah. But like, yeah, smoked, smoked apples that it only started to on the outside like get through, and the core of the apple, not the core, but the inner pieces of the apple are yeah. still very fresh and alive and crisp. Like imagine it's, taking like an apple pie to... and then smoking it for a little bit, but then but then baking it. Yeah, yeah. like a smoked apple pie. I kind of want to smoke an apple pie now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, See, I love that, that sounds pretty good, actually. I love it that. It really does. Because this, now, in comparison to our first one, this has a lot more sweetness to it. I'm getting, you know, big sweetness on the front of the palate, and it's lingering through the mid-palate as well. And on the nose what, as well. What I think is interesting about that, though, is the first whiskey, it was sweet in a very dessert, like, custardy, creme brulee vanilla, like, really intentionally confectionery sweet. And this is, like, a more, it's sweeter, but it's, like, a natural sweetness, like a, like a fresh-off-the-tree sweetness kind of thing. Yeah. And now that I taste it for a second time, it's that, you know, we were getting that, we are getting this that peat on the nose but now in the middle and the end it's it's pushing into the dominant part of my palate yeah see i'm doing my my jaws 3d effect right there i'm getting my red and blue glasses on real quick and you know like in the 90s we'd we'd run to pizza hut beg our parents to bring us to that buffet <laughs> to get the glasses with the, the kids meal bullshit and <laughs> run home to to watch the five minutes of the cartoon on saturday that's yeah exactly mm. <laughs> yeah it's weird i'm getting i'm getting more peat on the palate than i am on the nose but not in a it's not destroying my palate kind of way i'm really enjoying it the peat's actually lingering a lot, a lot more yeah i would say definitely lingering but what i think is cool is the medicinal aspects of the peatiness blow off almost immediately yep like even like it's kind of even in just just these few minutes of having in the glass, it's Water. basically gone. There's very little iodine. There's no sharpie. It's just very, very beautiful, like delicate wafts of smoke. And I completely agree with that. Like when we talk about those, you know, camphor notes, we talk about those intense peatiness of you know the peat dominated, you know, the Ardbegs, the Lafroigs. This is not that. This is very articulately used and merged into the rest of the palette. I'm really loving this so far. So underneath everything else, though, I get like like a tropical-y fruit note, too. Like there's the apple, then like almost like a lychee note. Like a it's behind the apple. It's almost unaffected by the smoke, though, but like almost like a lychee note. Do you mm. get that? It's interesting. So we just did our um, did our requisite water drop in this one, and this is one where it didn't make it any better. Um, I'm actually getting more of the more of the the peatiness, more of the harsh alcohol notes, and I see what you mean with the lychee before. Um, I think this is this is a fantastic this is a fantastically crafted product. Um, I'm not not enjoying it with a couple drops of water in it, but it almost got too harsh. It doesn't need the water at all. No, 
The last no. one I think benefited from it. This one, I think it was better without. I think that's a straight sipper. So I think here's just my philosophy on these whiskeys and why the cheetah benefited from water and this one's not. In my mind, Hakushu 12-year is a finished product. This, the proof it's at, how it tastes, the length of time in barrel, the types of barrel, everything comes together where it is, uh, I think the best way I've ever heard Japanese whiskey described was by a distiller saying it's precise. This whiskey here, it is precise. It has been honed to exactly what is in that bottle very intentionally. The cheetah feels like it's incomplete. It belongs blended with this and another whiskey to become something more palatable. I think that's a I think that's a great description. Uh, description. Sorry, this is. <laughs> I we we had three cocktails around dinner and after dinner, and this is our we, second recording and for a, tonight. And a week ago, and a week ago, we had another recording. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that's a very apt description, though, and I think that's something that I'd like to be more conscientious of as we go forward. Is when something is complete, when you first taste it, and it feels like something that makes complete sense. And I think when, you know, Brian and I are probably more culinary with our descriptions I, of things. I mean, I am much more culinary but, description of things. But I think it's when, like, when you taste something and on its own, it doesn't need anything else. You could try and make it better, but it doesn't need anything else. And then when you add something, sometimes it makes it worse. Like, we were eating, we were eating a dish recently. It was uh, some amazing Indian food. And... You know, you add salt, you add salt, and it's better and better until you get to too much. And then it didn't need it to begin with. You could stop where it was. And I think it's something to consider with anything you're tasting is how much do you love it the way it is? Should you try and change this? Should you try and improve it? And sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse when you add water to it. Oh, like, like we've talked about before i think while i don't like adding water to my whiskey in general uh generally speaking bourbon it falls apart it doesn't need water water kills it a lot of scotch it can open it up and bring out new experiences there and then as we saw today hukushu's already there it's it's already it's done it is where it needs to be it will not the whiskey in that bottle will not get better with anything you do to it it is it's done. No, that's not like when we talked about mixing the first one. I think the first one would be very interesting in a cocktail. And I would 100% recommend trying it in that context. I'd be very disappointed in you, the listener or viewer as a person, if you mixed this one in a cocktail. It's not a good idea. There's no point in mixing this in the cocktail. You're not going to benefit the cocktail by mixing this in there. There's too much going on. And there's too much craftsmanship in it to do something like that to it. Despite how rich and powerful and full this whiskey is in a way, it's very delicate too. I, I think yeah. pretty much anything would beat it right up. Like even the water is beating the hell out of it. No, I 100% agree. Um, yeah, this is, and I think that's something to consider with any spirit that you're tasting. I'm looking at my cabinet while I'm talking about this. There are some that I feel very good about mixing into cocktails. Some I don't. And I think looking at those, yeah, I mean, look at that. I mean, that's that's a great example. 
So what for that? What's Fifteen bucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think water. Well, I think water almost ruins this. This one, yeah, I think it, it kind of tore it apart in a way that I'm not enjoying it as much. So it's something to consider when you're tasting it. Is this a complete product? But that's for you to make that decision. You know, but really take that time to think about it and taste it before you try to mix it in a cocktail, before you add water, before you add ice to it. Um, well, yeah, give like, it an opportunity. It, to bring everything to food, uh, you taste your ingredients as you're cooking. You taste your product as you're cooking. You're going to, you got to, you know, you, you got to know, you got to know what a persimmon tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's also a great chance, you know, when we're talking about tasting things is... Like, yeah, you know what? We we talk about recipes, you know, that, you know, this cocktail is a one-to-one-to-one ratio. You know, you know a classic Negroni is one part gin to one part Campari to one part sweet vermouth. But you know what? Depending on the vermouth you use, depending on the gin you use, depending on, maybe I'm not using Campari, maybe I'm using Bruto Americano. Taste the ingredients you're using and make a decision about what to do in your cocktail. And if you're tasting something like this, make an actual decision based on what you're tasting. Like, is this going to be better licked off of your wrist that you spilled it on? Or is it going to be better sitting in your fantastic tasting glass? Did you spill on Brian again? No, no. I spilled on my wrist. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunately fla- not. I'm flailing my hands around. It's just, been it's been an evening of drinking. Let's say that your gesti- your gesticulations are <laughs> are being captured for everyone to see. Yeah, what are you gonna do? So one, I think that's a fantastic whiskey. But George, what is this? So we talked about two. We talked about the one we just tasted, which is the Hakushu Twelve Year Single Malt, and we talked about what was the first one again? Cheetah. The Cheetah. <laughs> Single so, grain. So what are our price points on these? Now, the cheetah, you said, isn't really available here in America very prominently. Not really available, and I, I, if I could remember what yeah. I paid for it, it would have been in euros anyway, and I don't, I don't know the, conver- the conversion rate at that time or what it is right now. Yeah, euros are confusing. I mean, plastic dollar bills, I mean, trust me, I love them in Canada, but, you know, confusing nonetheless. I, American, I'm not going. American of you. We're not allowed to go to Europe <laughs> right now anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what about our... Or to uh, Canada. What about our second one, the Hakushu? This is going to be a terrible answer to give, but I couldn't tell you right now because okay. the problem with Japanese whiskey is there's not enough, and the price keeps going up and up and up, and Hakushu has actually been discontinued temporarily Okay. in the 12-year, so I don't know if you can find it. I don't know what it's going to go for. Last I bought it, I think it was in the 80s, Yeah. but I would be shocked if it wasn't in the hundreds at this point, if you can find it. But yeah. don't worry, by 2030, there will be enough Japanese whiskey to go around. Yeah, Just as well there should be. If we can be. get through 2020, we might be able to drink Japanese whiskey again with an age statement. So I think this is, this is an example of something that, at that price point, I'm not sure I'm going to hunt it out. Now, did I enjoy this with and without the water? A hundred percent. I really enjoyed this. Um, probably not something I'm hunting out at the eighty to one hundred dollar price point, to be honest. Um, but I'm, am I enjoying it? Are we enjoying it? I mean, a hundred percent. I think this is a delightful whiskey. I mean, what? What? Yeah. What's your thoughts, Brian? I mean, I mean this, it, you're, you're coming from a different standpoint than me. 
Usually, I like ha- I like having whiskeys evolve with with and without water. With okay, an, and then maybe with temperature and changes. Mm-hmm. This one was surprised. I mean, I haven't had that many where it actually gets worse with water. Yeah, we we've talked about this a few times because George hasn't been and I have been. He's kind of against it. I'm generally for it, but I'm finding I'm we're kind of treating it as a bit of an experiment to. I'm treating it as an experiment to taste it before and after, and actually now that I'm letting it sit a little bit more. I think I like it more with than without, but that's after five minutes of me rambling through tasting notes. Yeah, mine's gone already. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got there? I was just thinking, this isn't what I was originally going for mm. when I went to lean back, but I think next Japanese whiskey episode, we got to do the hibiki, the blend. Ooh. Oh, that's very nice, and and it's it's also something that's very available. Yep. So we're, yes, we're th- this particular version is available pretty regularly. The Japanese Harmony. Yeah, because we're we're talking, you know, both of the ones we're talking about today are, you know, either you have to bring it in or something that's generally not available right now. Well, Hibiki or Hibiki, Hibiki, depending on how you pronounce it, you can find it at most of your finer. Uh, uh, finer local uh, liquor stores, and it's delicious. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's absolutely delicious. So, Would yeah, you believe that Cheetah was part of it, though. <laughs> but that makes sense. What we're it talking, does. no, it absolutely does. The custardiness we're... absolutely comes from it. Yeah, and it I makes think com- when we do this, you're going to get like a half bottle. I hate to say. <laughs> no, we're we're make that makes complete sense, and I'm looking forward to tasting this part of our next Japanese whiskey episode. Um, but for now, I think we've. This was a very interesting one. You know, our first Japanese whiskey episode, we tasted some very, you know, truly unique high-end expressions of Japanese whiskey. This time we tasted something, some things that aren't as available here. One that's a component, one that's finished, and I think very different expressions of Japanese whiskey, both from, as you mentioned, the Beam Sum Tori company, um, and seeing seeing the way they process things can be very interesting in its own right. And actually would be fun to do at some point too. We may as well, you know what, why don't we, for the next Japanese whiskey episode, Mm. when we do it, we've got to do the Hibiki harmony and then the, the Jim beam, uh, legend or legion or however it's pronounced because so really cool. So basically because here's me, uh, assuming things, not having actual things to back it up, but <laughs> because there's no Japanese whiskey really to be had, uh, to kind of you know keep the magic of Japanese whiskey on consumers' minds, while also playing around in the very uh, populated pool of bourbon drinkers, mm-hmm. they had Fred No distill a bunch of bourbon. And Shinji Fukuyo, the master blender for Suntory, rebarrel it into a bunch of wine casks and things, and then blend it. And I'm not going to say it's the best whiskey you'll ever have when it comes to bourbon, but it's one of the more interesting ones at a very reasonable price point. That and sounds... I think Hibiki and the Legion should be our next episode of Japanese whiskey. That sounds really interesting. Sounds delicious to me. Yeah, those, and it's very fascinating to see that kind of resourcefulness. So I'm really looking forward to tasting that. But 
for now, I think we should close out this episode of In Good Spirits. Um, so you can find me at Stromy, Twitter, Instagram, Food About Town Podcast, also on Facebook. Oh, um, you can find <laughs> my good friend Brian uh, as a regular guest on the Food About Town Podcast, but also uh, chew on this, C-H-U-E underscore on underscore this. George, where can they find you? Instagram at Whiskey Jedi with the E because this is America, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, everybody should, everybody should subscribe to the In Good Spirits uh, show on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe. Find us on your favorite podcast app. We really appreciate it. If you can't find us somewhere that you listen to your podcast, let us know. We'll get you all set up. Otherwise... Thanks for tuning in to another episode of In Good Spirits. George, cheers. Oh, hang on. I need a glass. Cheers. See ya.